Good morning, guys. How are we this morning? Excellent. If I can get this thing to do what I want it to do, it'd be great. I don't normally wear pant, long pants, see? I was going to say pants and then realised that was going to sound really awkward. Um, yeah, I, I don't normally wear long pants, so trying to get these things to work is, um, is amazing. Um, I just want to start this morning, I just want to say a huge thank you to every woman in the room that let a partner come away for the weekend. Um, as you can hear, my voice isn't quite 100%. That's what happens at men's camp. <laughs> um, we spend a lot of time talking. Uh, so we did, and it was great. Let's come together. Our Father and our King, thank you that shortly on from that story that James read out, you sent us the Spirit of Christ to reside in us, to be our counsellor, to be our guide. And right now, we, we acknowledge your presence in this room. And we take a minute to step into that. To open our hearts past the, the stuff that's going on today. And to become so aware and so teachable for what you have to say to us today. Let us truly become the clay in the potter's hands as we listen this morning to what you have. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. So I'm pretty honoured to be here this morning. Uh, For those of you that were here three weeks ago, you would have heard uh, a little of my story. Um, I was in hospital Uh, after having a chest full of blood clots and a couple of strokes. Um, So the fact that I'm standing at the front of a church today is an absolute testimony to the power of Jesus. Um, And while I was there, you learn a lot of things. Um, But my weakness now is an honour because Christ's strength gives me the ability to do the things that I couldn't do before. So for those of you watching before, I got down on my knees in worship. I find that hard to do because one side doesn't work the same as the other. The men, when we were doing some tug of war yesterday, got to see just how <laughs> how average I am at the moment. But fortunately, it's not about me. The same as it's, it's, it's not about you. We're here for something far bigger than, than we could ever have imagined, dreamed or desired. We are part of a family that goes the whole way around the world. And the wonderful thing about this family is that as you go on missions and you start to travel, you find yourself at home, <laughs> away from home. Because the spirit is the same. It doesn't matter what country. It doesn't matter where you've come from or where you're sitting. Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today and forever. And this morning, I just want to read to you, looking at Acts chapter 9, for those of you that like to open a Bible. Um, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him, to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women he might bind them and bring them to Jerusalem 
okay? Just let that sink in. This man is a representative of the church going to ask his minister for permission to go and bind up people of another persuasion, people that had, had, had seen the freedom and the truth, and to drag them back to Jerusalem. And I want that to sink in because the first thing that I, I want to say this morning, how many times do we go running to our pastors with a grievance against someone else and we don't want that grievance to be resolved, we want them to justify our grievance. There's a big difference between approaching someone for mediation and approaching someone to help me resolve conflict with my brother and sister. And there is a huge difference between going to them going, this person did this, aren't aren't they so rotten? We put our pastors in impossible positions. I was saying this to the men. We lift them up. We put them so high into places that they shouldn't be, that Christ should be. Christ is here. My minister is here. And see, if we're doing this right, we don't approach the pastor for, minute, for, for tiny stuff. That's why pastors put teams in place. Right? So I was saying to the men, I'm a man, if I have a grievance and I've got something going on, I'm not going running to the minister. I'm going to go and find the man that's in charge of the men's ministry. Why? Because he knows the men of the church and knows that what I'm going through, he can help find someone to walk through with me. All right? And when we do that as part of the worship team, part of the men's team, whatever area that you are serving, you then free that pastor up to do what they're meant to do, which is sit between heaven and you and intercede for you. Okay? If, if they have the ability to do it, how much easier will our lives be because they're fighting the battle for us on their knees? That's what a pastor does. Okay, and we see here, Saul's taken a grievance. All right? He was really good at his job. He was really good at finding people of the way and killing them. Really good. And he goes to the minister to help a minister that's going to help help his grievance, justify his grievance, give me the letters so that I can go and get them. And he finds it. And then we, find, then we read, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And, but, but I want you to catch his response here because he says, who are you, Lord? He doesn't just say, who are you? He recognizes immediately that he has come into the presence of something that is far more powerful than any person that he serves under. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. All right. So trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. This journey that we're on requires a lot of faith. Okay. And we're going to see here, I'm going to, I'm going to read it out and then I'm going to get into these points. 
As the men and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So the encounter that he's just had with a living God has left him desiring nothing on earth anymore. Didn't even want food. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, and behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. All right? He's heard heaps about this bloke. And how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So I want to dig into this because there is a lot of things at play here. There is a lot of things. I've already mentioned we put our pastors up, we go and seek justification for the tiniest of little things. The same spirit that's in your pastor is in you. Amen. (laughs) Which means that when you've got things going on, the answer can be found from people around you. Right? There's a reason God puts people in your life. It's not all about someone else. You know, we, we read further on in Corinthians that everybody prophesies in part. Why? Because we need many people to make a whole picture. And then we read here... The next thing that I want to point out in this, okay? (laughs) Saul exercised faith. The first lot of faith. And he got up and he went with these blokes into the city. But I want to draw into Ananias here. All right? Because if we look at Ananias, okay? The first thing I want to note is that God approaches Ananias after talking to Saul. So God has that much faith in his disciple that he gives Saul the name of the person that's coming to set him free before he approaches the person that's going to do it. That's how much trust God has in us when we exercise our faith. Okay? Ananias, quite rightly... All right. I, mean, I just want to put this in perspective. Paul went with the men into the city that he was with. They wouldn't have taken him to the disciples' house. They wouldn't have taken him to somewhere he was going to find friends that, that believed in Jesus. They would have walked him to the people they know because they've just had an encounter that scared the stuffing out of them on the road. 
So they've gone into what I assume would be a stronghold of people that support their work. Okay, so Ananias is sitting there and he's, he's hearing God say this and, and he just looks at God and goes, man, do you know who this guy is, God? Do you know who he is? He loves hunting us down. He loves taking us and, and, and binding us and putting us away never to be seen again. And God turns around and, and says to him, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. All right, and he doesn't lay hands on him and say, Saul. He goes up to him and goes, brother. First word out of his mouth is familial. And that's important. Because the minute that God sets someone apart is the minute that we have to start seeing it differently. And that might be someone in church that you got issues with that could be the junkie across the street that's off his face in the park we got to shift we got to move I got down here on Thursday and I went wandering through the parks because I wanted to find out what the people of Griffith thought of Life Source Church right do you want to know what the people had to say about you because I can tell you it's not all good Right? I had one guy say, yeah, I know who they are. I know who they are. They're all right. They're a nice bunch of people. Wow, so we're nice people. Okay. That's a good start. Okay. I had one guy look at me and go, yeah, I remember that mob. I hate them. Okay. That's cool, I said. And he looked at me and goes, how can you say cool? I've just, <laughs> I've just ripped them apart for you. <laughs> this is after a few choice words in there too, I might just add. And I said to him, I asked you for feedback. That's why it's okay. That's why I can say that's cool. I was, I was after feedback. I wanted genuine feedback, all right? And the, word, the Lord gave me a word because he'd lim- he was limping. And I said to him, I said, oh, is your knee sore? And he goes, yep. And I said, can I fix it for you? Okay, he looked at me and he said, I don't believe any of this crap. I just want you to know that. I don't, I don't go this stuff at all. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to believe I do. Do you want it fixed or not? And so we prayed with him and God fixed his knee. Right, I left that conversation with him still hating church, but he'd had an encounter now that needed an explanation from somewhere, right? Because that's what we do. That's what happens here. If we go through our Gospels, we go through, Jesus gave people an encounter in need of an explanation instead of an explanation in need of an encounter. Talking is not enough. It is not enough to be a nice person. Because there are nice people out there that don't have what we have living inside of us. We are more. Romans says we're more than conquerors. Why? Because everybody in this room, you can't be a conqueror if you've never beaten something. Right? Every single one of you in, this, in, the, in the act of accepting salvation became a conqueror because you made a choice to turn from yourself into something bigger. 
And so we need to start living with that perspective, right? And we see that in Ananias because he just gets up. It doesn't say that Ananias was asleep when he had this vision. It doesn't say he was in bed. He had this vision. He gets up and he goes and goes, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight and he arose and was baptized. Man, can you imagine how different your city would be if you started acting on the promptings that you get? So back to this story of going around town. I met, I met some, some people that were, yeah, they were amazing. I was in a really tough spot. And they put me in touch with people that could really help me out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Another person said to me, yeah, they're the guys that do the stuff at Easter in town, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And the only reason I could say, yeah, they are, is because I was here at Easter. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had no idea and I would have been sitting there going, I think so. Um, all right. But then I started, I started talking to some people and I said, do you, do you know anyone from the church? And one person said, yeah, I do. I said, okay. Um, in a nutshell, what are they like? I'm, I'm down here for the weekend. I'm, I'm going to be doing some stuff. What are, what are they like? What are they like as a people? And they said, oh, you know, they're, they're really good. They're really good. But, there's always a but. <laughs> but, I've just noticed that I can't really tell them anything because when I say something to this person, everybody finds out who, what it is. Man, that was like a kick in the gut. That was... <laughs> it hurts <laughs> to hear people say things like that about the body of Christ. Why? Because we're one body. When one part grieves, we all grieve. <laughs> okay, so it should be hurting us that this stuff gets said. And I get it, man. Small towns, they don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's the way they are. I live in Goulburn, which is smaller and twice as great with the rumour train. But why are we buying into that? Why, why are we buying into sharing stuff about other people when they're coming to us? But more than that, how, how, how can I expect someone to come walking through the door and see a card that says, Welcome home, and they can't trust that they're home? How does that work? You know, but there's, there's some awesome stuff here. That's what, that's what town said. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm not saying this because I want you to feel like rotten human beings. I am saying this now because I want to convict you by the power of the Holy, Holy Ghost that this doesn't have to be your story. This does not have to be the story of, of God's people in this town. Yeah, we're going to mess it up. We are going to mess it up absolutely without even a shadow of a doubt. But that's where repentance comes in. We turn. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm heading back over here. 
I did the wrong thing. And you know what? In doing that, I really hurt Steve. I'm going up to him. And I'm, man, I am so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry. I want to be the type of man like Ananias where God has faith to go, Jeremy, can you just go and do this? And I, and I do. That's the man I want to be. That's the man I want to be. And see, the beautiful thing about this is that you can be the biggest enemy of Christ. But don't, mark my words, God's going to turn up. He's going to invade your space. You see, Jesus found me. I just separated from my wife. Um, if anyone's interested in seeing the story, Eternity Magazine did an article on us. Um, I'd separated from my wife. And at the time, it was all her fault. At the time, it was all her fault. She'd run off and she'd had an affair. She was having an affair with another guy. Okay? Our separation was my fault. Because two became one flesh. I was the arrogant jerk that pushed her into the arms of another guy. All right, that was me. That was no one else. I have to own that. And so when that reality sank in, when it, when it sank in, I was, I remember it so clearly. I was sitting in my room and I was like, man, how did I do that? How did I do that? And, you know, everyone around me, including the people in the church that, that were there, were condemning her for what she did. And I'm sitting there going, you can't condemn her because it was me. I don't agree with what she did or how she did it, but it's not about her. It was about me. Because I put her in a position where she needed to go looking for something. Okay, and at the time, I had the pastor of the church that I was in came in and sat down with me. He said, look, Jeremy, I just, um, I just want to tell you, um, the church doesn't have the resources to be able to support you through this. So we actually think it would be better if you don't come back. Okay, a, a week later, people that I had never even met were sending hate mail to my letterbox. Because apparently in their, in their mind, if a marriage busts up because of an affair, it has to be the bloke's fault. Okay, that, this, is, this is their mind. This is how warped it gets if we let it. This is how warped it gets if we let it. And so I'm sitting there, I'm reading it, I'm sitting in my room and I'm surrounded by hate mail from people that are supposed to love Jesus. And I'm sitting there going, well, who are you, Jesus, if this is you? Who are you? I don't want this. And you know something, I closed my eyes. And I opened again and, and, and I opened them again and I, I wasn't I wasn't sitting in my room. I was sitting underneath this tree and I'm gonna get teary and I'm not even gonna apologize. And this bloke gives me this massive hug. <laughs> and it was like every care that I'd ever had fell away. And he looked at me and he said, Bro, I just I love you. 
I created you for so much more than this. And from then on, man, I was sold out. (laughs) I was so sold out. And the thing we've got to catch here, just like with Ananias, you won't have the same story that I have. You may not have Jesus turn up in your bedroom. But I tell you what, the Spirit of Christ living in you means you may actually be that person to someone else. Yeah. How many people wandering around Griffith are busted and broken, waiting for someone to get down to their level to pull them out? Desmond Tutu said, we've got to stop pulling people out of the river and go upstream and find out why they're falling in. It's not enough to just go out, meet someone and just pull them out of the mess that they're in without following through to find out why they fell in in the first place. All right, that, that's discipleship at its heart. Okay, and so, so, so we see here Ananias follows through with discipleship. He doesn't just go and Saul gets his eyes fixed and that's the end of it. It says he saw hung with the disciples for three days. So three days they stayed with this man to make sure that this encounter that he'd had was well sought out. They made sure he hadn't eaten for three days. They made sure that he was well and he was strengthened before they left. Okay, and then if you, if you turn over and you, and you keep going through this and you keep going through Acts 9, Paul, Paul immediately goes out and starts preaching. We have to be aware, the men this weekend, we were looking at legacy. Okay, and we were looking at legacy and the bride, which is us. Okay, I, I love the fact that James was using the Passion Translation this morning because it puts into perspective our reality as the bride of Christ so well. I love that translation for that. And then we were looking at personal legacy. And see, so the thing we've got to understand is the minute that you accept salvation, the minute you repent and turn from your ways. Not just accept salvation, but repent and turn. Okay? We don't have a personal legacy anymore. It's not about what I'm doing to set everything else up. It becomes about us. We are one bride. It's not plural. The Bible doesn't say brides. It says bride. One body, many parts, many functions. We, we, we lose our old identity and we gain a new one. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you with those stories I shared about the people in town. All right? And it is an encouragement. Because good or bad, life source is actually known. There's your starting point. Right when we were doing a, a spiritual gift survey with the men, I had one of the men say to me, you know, I've only got ones and zeros across the board here. What does that say about me when my brother's got threes? <laughs> Man, you've got you've got a one. That's that's your starting point. That is that is day dot. And you move forward from there. Right? So I want to encourage you with those stories. Because there was plenty of good in there too. 
Okay? There was plenty of good in there. But I want to say to you this morning, if this Jesus is real, when are we going to get real with him? You know, the reality of church, okay, let me, let, me, let me break this down. The reality of church, I should have been able to come up here this morning and just read that and we should have been pumped because that's the word of God. That's the life that's going to give us life. Right? We should be so excited to be walking into church on a Sunday morning because you're either excited because you're coming home and it's great or your week has been an absolute mess but I'm going to walk through those doors this morning and straight away I'm going to be able to reconnect, share, grow and have the cares taken off me by my Saviour and my brothers. Galatians 6 says, Bear one another's burdens. Church should be us in everything that we do and when we walk through that door in in the morning... We're coming in because we're coming to hear this. You're not coming today to hear me. You're not coming next week to hear whoever's on the preaching roster. I'm coming here because I want this to be the most important thing in my life. I want the man that, that, that gave the words for this page to be someone so tangible to me that I know that without a shadow of a doubt, he is everything that I have and more. I want the man that spoke at the beginning of time that put everything in motion. I want to know that guy. I want to know that man. That's the man that that I want to fall in love with. And this tells me that he's my bridegroom. How unreal is that? Every time I get on my knees in my room in my quiet time, I am one-on-one with the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe invades my bedroom at this stage because the rest of the house is getting renovated. (laughs) He invades my bedroom just to sit on the end of my bed and hang out with me because there's no place that he would rather be than sitting with his son. And today on Mother's Day, you think of the effort that, that... you guys put in every day for your kids. You know, and when you get to my age, you look back and you think, man, mum got, got some dodgy calls throughout my life. <laughs> but she never for one minute stopped loving me. And yeah, she was a broken human being. So her idea of love was slightly warped because of the, the, the pain and the traumas that she'd walked through. But it didn't change the reality that she loved me. You know, and, and, and I think if a flawed human can love me, even with some of the stuff that I threw at her growing up, how much more can the creator of the universe love me despite everything that I've done? How much more can this mean to me? And the answer is every day we should have a, a fresh testimony because every day, We can learn something new every day. He will reveal something to us. There are 7 billion people on this planet and everyone displays a unique gift of God. That's 7 billion gifts and counting. You think about that. 
7 billion gifts and we're still going. That's incredible. And that's my saviour. Wow. Wow. And you know, I know this relationship can be done because Jesus does it with the Father and the Spirit every day. Before we were around the three of them standing in heaven, can, have, you, have you ever stopped to imagine what that must be like? Just standing around having a yarn like we are now. Right, I like to think that because the, the, the reality of it being massively huge is a little bit, puny, is a little bit more than my puny little mind's going to handle at the moment. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to, why don't we make mankind in our image? Right, we've, we've, just made, we've just made the earth. Let's, uh, let's make mankind in our image. Is there anything inside of any of you that was jealous for Adam? The first man created walking through the garden with his saviour every day, face to face, side by side. Man, what would that have looked like? <laughs> and that was imperfection. I've got to be honest. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. If you don't know that Jesus this morning, if you, or if you're sitting there and you want to know the Jesus of this far greater than you ever have and you have sat here this morning and you can feel that stirring in your heart that says, I'm done being average. I'm done being the guy that just turns up, goes through the motions and goes home. If that's you, then I want to hear from you. All right, if you're sitting out there and, and you're going, Jez, I'm sold out. I've realized that, you know, I kind of just, just keep the Bible at arm's length. I'll dust it out when I need to. But I don't want to do that anymore. Then I want to know from you too. If you're sitting out there this morning and you are busted and you are hurting, all right, because some are, <laughs> I just want you to know that Jesus sees you. <laughs> he sees you right where you're at. I was on my way down here on Thursday and I was so overwhelmed for someone in this town that I spent the entire time between Harden and Tamora praying for them. Because their heart was so incredibly broken. But every day they get up, they put on that facade that says life, and they go about their business. If you're here and you're, you're tired of putting on that mask every day, then I want to see you. <laughs> All right, don't wait. Start coming out. Natalia's playing some awesome music behind us. We were singing the song before. The Spirit of the Lord is here. All right, if that's you, if you want to know, come out. Come out. Don't, don't wait. It's not about everyone else in the room in this moment. It's not about what they're going to think of you if you come forward, even if you've been in church for 50 years. There is no judgment here. If you want to get to know Jesus more than you do now and you want us to pray for you that this starts to become a reality, then head to the front.
I ask you to step forward. God brought me four and a half hours to be here this morning to sow a seed into you. And if anything from my story can help light a flame in your life that's going to fan into a furnace, then I want to know. I want to know. Because I'm so done with being average. (laughs) I am so done with being the bloke that just gets by. step into what Jesus says that I can attain I want this book to be the first thing that I look at in the morning and the last thing I see when I go to sleep at night you know and I'm I'm old school I don't have that I don't have this on a phone because that's just going to distract me somewhere I don't want to (laughs) go going to open up the altar here for everyone else That's you, you guys have a great morning tea thank you so much for coming home this morning I'm going to be up here praying you know if everybody's walking around and you decide that you want some prayer at the end that's fine you come see me you can catch me in the car park on the way out if you want to I don't mind I came down this weekend because God wanted me to come and serve the people of Griffith. So like Ananias, I decided to say, I'm on, let's go. Excellent. So when I do this, I'm going to turn my microphone off because nobody needs to hear what's between someone and Jesus. Have an amazing day. If you're a mother, enjoy sitting with your kids as much as you may want to pull your hair out. (laughs) Okay? And if you're a man sitting in the room that has kids and you say to your wife, I'll take the kids so that you can have some stress-free time, then you make sure you do it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. All right? Okay? If this is truly their day, then it needs to be their day. And for the mothers out there that are here that may not have kids but want someone to adopt, I'm in Griffith all weekend and my mother's not and neither is my wife or my kids, so feel free to adopt me. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming this morning. Jesus, thank you for my brothers and sisters out there. Thank you that today they made a decision to come to church and hang out with family. Thank you that your desire is to stir in them, is to, is to grow them and, and help them become far more than where they're at. I pray a huge blessing over the, the people outside of life or the, the people in life source at the back of the altar here. I, I pray a massive blessing on them over this week. May they encounter you in some very, very fresh ways this week even if it makes them raw and even if, it's, even if it's a vulnerability that we're a little bit scared to accept, I pray that you would encounter them where they are. Thank you for this time together this morning, Jesus.